contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. It's a Brandt's Rants edition here in the heart of summer. We're about to get it going in the NFL. I'll talk about a couple issues there as we prepare for training camps. This podcast is presented, as always, by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And they're the exclusive partner of the Podcast One Sportsnet, of which this pod is, of course, part of. Use that promo code PODCAST1, all caps, to get that 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag. I want to update you in my first rant about me taking the NFLPA agent exam. I talked about this last week, that I was on my way to Washington, D.C., my hometown, to take it on my birthday, and I did. You know, it was an interesting experience because I did this. I mean, I think when I was a first in agent, as I talked about 20-something years ago, I don't know if they had this. I just think I, I filled out something and became an agent. I'm not sure about that. been so long. But again, when I left the Packers 10 years ago, I decided, yeah, what the heck, you know, why not get certified? And I did, took the test, passed, and then I was working for the Eagles. I never thought about it. I'm nice, I'm certified, so what? I didn't think about it. Started doing some consulting work for the Eagles, doing their contracts, and then there was that firestorm one day when some agents ratted me out, or some team guys, someone ratted me out, saying, hey, Brant's working for the Eagles while an active agent. And I was expelled from the union that day. So... That firestorm passed, and here I am again. As I mentioned, my join up with Gary V and Vayner Sports. One of the things for me is to get certified, and it was a week of gay Vayner Sports. I, I gave my first speech, which is something I've wanted to do, and Gary V gives me that opportunity to get out there in front of corporate gatherings. Did a big event with him last week in Ohio, and then went on to D.C. and took the agent exam. Here's some initial impressions. First, I couldn't believe the number of people in that room. I guess the number was about 250, but it was a full ballroom conference room at Ritz-Carlton in Washington, D.C. And again, all these people are paying, I forget what the number is, $1,200 maybe, just for the privilege of taking the test. They had all done background checks on all these people. Now, I was told a lot, some number of that group was taking the test again, didn't pass it either last year or the year before. And some number of that group were sort of, what what would be the word, suspended as agents, maybe expelled as agents, because they didn't pass this kind of continuing uh, certification test they now give that I actually consulted and and, uh, advised a few agents on in their attempts to pass that. But I think they give this sort of ongoing test to agents, and there was a group in there that didn't pass that. So they weren't all first time trying to be agents past the certification. Some were trying again for the first time. Some were trying to get back in after not keeping up. And the other thing that they don't, the, the union sort of kicks you out if you haven't done a contract in three calendar years. In fact, that was one of the questions on the test. I think that I got that right because they said the last time this agent did a contract was July 2016. When would be the next time he could actually do a contract? And I hope I got that right where it's three years from the date of the last contract. So the questions were like September 19, September 20, September 18. I guess it would be September 
18, if the last one he did was July 16, uh, by September 19, he'd be out. At least that's the way I thought about it. As far as the question, you know, we had two days of sort of seminar to learn the stuff. And they did say at times, you better pay attention to this. This could be on the exam. And they did say other times, don't, you know, this is for educational purposes only. It's not going to be on the exam. So they give you a lot of prompts uh, in their sort of presentation of all the different things. A lot of emphasis on this whole idea of accrued seasons and credited seasons. And I'll give you a little primer right here. Credited season is three or more games uh, on an active pay status. Accrued season is six or more games on full active pay status. Now that could be injured reserve um, with accrued, and but with uh, with with credited season, injured reserve counts for getting benefits, but it doesn't count for getting a minimum salary benefit. So I know I'm confusing you here, but these are the kind of questions that were to confuse the audience in taking this test the other day. So and so. Uh, played his first year, got hurt his second year, played only two games his third year, maybe played on IR his fourth year. What would be his minimum salary? What would be his free agency status? Those are the kind of questions that came up a lot on this test. There's a, sort of a, a disproportionate amount spent on accrued season, credited season. Also calculating cap numbers, which of course I knew was going to be on the test. They seem to sort of push it on the rookie side, which to me you know, not as important, I guess, to me, I would think, than on the veteran side. But on the rookie side, you got to fit in the rookie pool. They'd sort of give you the rookie pool number, make you work backwards. A lot of people were asking a ton of questions about that leading into it. There were questions about agent regulations, you know, how it conflicts or doesn't conflict with state agent regulations, uh, what an agent can get for the value of his services if he's fired, what's the time frame to pick a new agent, those kind of things came up during the test as well. A couple on NFL Players, Inc., a couple on the benefits side. And again, with the benefits, it sort of comes down to what's the credited seasons, how much you can get, the benefit, add up the amount. Someone's been out of the league this many years. What's his tuition assistance plan benefit? Those kind of things. So it was an interesting test. Now, um, again, this is going to sound brigacious, but I don't know if I've ever been in a big a room like that big where I've been so recognized. Now, I'm not a celebrity by any means. I'm like G-list to be, to be kind. Uh, but the people who recognize me tend to be students of the business of sports, especially the business of football. The people who recognize me tend to be younger, in grad school, uh, lawyers, business people, people that are just studied up on this business of sports. And they were all in that room. So... I was recognized a lot, uh, people coming up to me, a couple of selfies, a couple of people wanting me to sign something, and, and telling me, that, which was very nice, that they listen to this podcast, and they read my stuff in Sports Illustrated to sort of help them prepare for the test. So talk about pressure. Boy, if I don't pass this test now, I'll be a laughingstock. <laughs> so I hope I did. I actually hope I got all of them right. I don't think they released that. And they're going to be very selective, as I kind of heard the rumor mill about the pass rate, even though, you know, again, they give you questions, what, what they think should be on it. So in that sense, it's kind of predictable. But a pass rate I heard of under 50%, because they don't want all these agents added to the mix, uh, even though they're getting the money. I, so, you know, it's going to be a low pass rate. And a lot of those people are going to be back again next year trying to make the cut. There seems to be this in, this strong pull uh, 
to be an agent, uh, whether it is to actually do this and go recruit and go out there, or to just have it. You know, again, it's not cheap, but just to have it as one of your certifications, and I think maybe like a bar certification, like other professional certifications. So that's what was going on there. Again, presentations by the legal department, salary cap department, agent department, and of course, um, NFL Players, Inc. and benefits as well. So it was an interesting couple days in Washington, and as I said, took the test on Friday. I think results are sometime in September. Frankly, I don't know why results can't be on the spot. You're just filling out 60 multiple-choice questions in one of these Scantron things. You would think that would happen immediately, but we wait. Uh, So that's where we are with the NFL agent exam. The other thing I'd say about it is, you know, I think that, um, you know, Again, I, I say this all the time, being an agent's tough. I mean, again, I've had opportunities to go with teams. I've had opportunities to be back in the agent business full-time. I've turned down both. But the one thing I will say about the agent business compared to the team, it's much more flexible. And at this point in my life, I don't want to go in and work for a team. I mean, I know guys my age always go back and do that. But, yeah, it's just not me. You know, to go work 9 to 5, 9 to 9, weekends, nights for a team. No, been there, done that. 10 years with the Packers, that was enough. So the agent side gives me flexibility, especially with this kind of role I have with Vayner. I keep up my column, I keep up my podcast, I keep up my day job at Villanova, uh, running the sports center, trying to make that the premier sports law or business education in the country. So all that's going on. And uh, the one thing I, I... sort of lost track there. One thing I would say, agent business versus team side, if you're a flexible person, more interested in flexibility, if you're more interested in running your own schedule, but always kind of being on call for your clients, it's a great life. But it is a tough life because I always ask young people wanting to get an agent business, how? Tell me, how? How are you going to get your first client? Why would a client sign with you? Now, if the answer is, well, I, I was college roommates with a first round pick, go for it. Absolutely. But if the answer is, well, I'm a smart guy and I can meet this guy and I see him in the club, well, come on. Why would he sign with you? So, yeah, but if you can get an experience with a big firm, maybe, yeah, I understand it. But again, my advice always, if you're going to try to appeal to agents, if you're going to try to appeal to teams, anyone in sports or any business, go narrow, go deep. Borrow that line from a guy that I follow a lot who has a great podcast, Tim Ferriss. Go narrow, go deep. You know, tell people what it is you want to do. Not you want to be in sports. Not you want to be an agent. Not you want to be a team. What do you want to do? What's your special sauce? What's your differentiator that can make you different than all these people trying to be agents? And you have to come up with something. You know, you can show them a different path. You have a lower fee? That's not going to work. Everyone's cutting fees in that business. It's not a high margin business. You're not going to make a lot of money, and you guess you get a veteran contract worth $50 million, maybe, but it's a tough road. So I say that all the time. A lot of people say that, but hey, look, 250 in that room trying to be agents to add to the eight or 900 that already are agents, most of whom have less than a couple clients. So, you know, there's an appeal. And why? Let, let's just be real. The appeal is sports. You know, we love sports. Sports is romantic. Sports is exciting, sports is emotional, sports is raw, it gets us all. 
And but for some coach that didn't like us or someone that's, you know, with our knee injury in high school, we'd be those athletes. But again, everything revolves around those athletes. People want to be around it. I totally get it. But if you're going to get into it, if you're going to be an agent, be prepared. Long window for success. It's a long game. Don't cut corners. Work hard. Try to find someone that can mentor you and do your best. Okay, that's my rant of the week about the NFL PA agent exam, about NFL PA agents, PA agents, and so many want to get in that business. And again, the NFL PA is the governing body for agents. There is this tense relationship between agents and leadership at the union. I think they're all on the same side, but they don't seem to get along. That's, you know, that's a whole other podcast. We can get into that. Okay, um, I want to get into the rant of the week about Tyreek Hill. And about NFL discipline. And, you know, it's it's something that has to be said because on this same day I'm recording this, there came out a six-game suspension for a player on the Seahawks, Jaron Reed, for uh, domestic violence. And again, he wasn't charged, he wasn't arrested. We're back to the days, at least with Reed, where you have someone not charged, not arrested, getting disciplined. Ezekiel Elliott, not charged, not arrested, disciplined. Going way back, Ben Roethlisberger, not charged, not arrested, six games later reduced to four for good behavior. All the three I just talked about, six-game suspensions. So what is going on here? And what did Reed do that Hill didn't? Now, Hill, uh, a couple things to point out about Hill. Tyreek Hill, obviously one of the most exciting players in the league, if not the most exciting, if not the fastest player What a joy to watch. Having said that, wow, what was that reaction when the audio was reported back a couple months ago? Remember that? The Twitter mob came out. The pitchforks and torches were out where respected people, in addition to everyone else, was saying, there's no way the Chiefs keep Hill. There's no way the Chiefs don't cut Hill today. There's no way Hill plays another game for the Chiefs, and there's no way that Hill plays another game in the NFL. Now, we're talking about the Chiefs, who that same day, the video of Kareem Hunt sort of kicking a woman late night in that hotel in Cleveland came out. Cut him. Cut him. And he got a big suspension from the NFL. But with Hill, okay, they kept him, and they sort of let it play out. And no discipline. And they're going to keep him. And they might even do a new contract with him. Probably can get a good deal. That's what they're thinking. But but listen. Okay. Need we review. Ray Rice, two-game suspension. Video comes out, indefinite suspension. New policy, six games. Players subject to that, like Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, the pendulum swings. We go back to uh, Kareem Hunt. Video, outs, eight-game suspension, new team, Cleveland, gone from the Chiefs. Okay, Ray Rice, supported by the Ravens until the video, cut. Kareem Hunt, supported by the Chiefs until the video, cut. Tyreek Hill, no video, audio, no discipline. Why? We don't know. Jerron Reed, domestic violence two years ago. I don't know about video. Six games. What is going on here? Here's the point I want to make. I don't know the facts about Tyreek Hill. And let's give some credit where credit's due. The NFL security does work hard. 
They do have a lot of people involved. Lisa Friel's there from former Manhattan sex crimes prosecutor. They have people working on this. They do long investigations. But, but, we're left scratching our head. And I know it's too simplistic to say that, oh, well, Tariq Hill is really important. And it's probably not as simplistic, but true to say there's no video. So punching the pregnant wife or girlfriend, what if that was on video? Well, I think it's safe to say if that was on video, Tyreek Hill would be gone and maybe never to return. It's not on video. It's on audio. But the audio is taken in context with everything else. There are no charges. Nothing's filed. We take time. And here we go. And when no discipline was announced by the NFL last week, it just seems like, on a Friday afternoon, of course, it seemed like there was barely a whimper on Twitter of protest. And I'm just wondering what went on. So two things to know. One, we'll get to the NFL and their treatment of their disparate treatment of different people, which we started to talk about. But first of all, let's talk about this Twitter mom mentality. You wait. Okay, here's a lesson. You wait. Because outrage on social media, no matter how strong in the moment, it fades. Oh boy, it fades. Time, time, it fades. So here's what we have with social media. The mob comes out, the audio release for of Tyreek Hill with those threatening, disturbing comments to his uh, girlfriend... And then, nothing. Nothing. And time passes. And when time passes, the NFL and the Chiefs know that that outrage cannot be sustained. So once time passes, there's a Friday afternoon news dump of no discipline. And yeah, yeah, not much. Not much criticism on Twitter, on social media. Chiefs go about their business. They take them back. NFL moves on. Now they suspend another guy this week. And it's gone. It's gone. So the mob of whenever that was, early June, is gone in late July. Gone. So it's just an interesting lesson. And you know who knows that lesson better than anyone? Okay, I'm not getting political here. But our, as I call him, our tweeter-in-chief. He knows. He's got to know. By the time the outrage meter is high on one thing, he's moved on to the next. And by the time the outrage gets up, catches up to the next, to that one, he's on to the next. I don't know if he's smart enough to know that he's doing it on purpose, but he's good at it. He's, he's outrunning the outrage all the time because he's on to the next. And this is what the NFL and the Chiefs knew with here. Time would pass. We, the Twitter mob, everyone would be on to something else. Okay, now to the discipline or lack thereof. I just went over this. Six games for Elliott, indefinite for Rice. Eight games for Hunt. Six games for Reed, nothing for Hill. Wait a minute. What? Two games for Rice pre-video. What the? So (laughs) here's my issue. And I've tweeted this, got a lot of comments. Okay, it's not, here's the problem with commissioner discipline. And in 50 years, we'll look back at Roger Goodell. He was the conduct commissioner. His legacy is going to be defined by personal conduct. 
and his uh, his strict adherence. He wants players to high personal first class conduct. But here's the thing. Uh, there's no criticism that they're too harsh or too soft. I mean, that comes. Yes, that's going to be the outrage meter. But looking back, now you take a detached view. The problem with NFL discipline on personal conduct, especially domestic violence, is not that it's too harsh. It's not that it's too soft. It's that it's too arbitrary. It's that it's too capricious. We, as viewers, as invested members of the NFL, are wondering, what the heck? And we're sort of left with these sort of lawyer-driven quotes about what happened with Hill and what happened with others, and no one can talk, and it's confidential, and they can't get records from the police. And But wait a minute, what? no discipline for Tyreek Hill? So listen, uh, here's the thing the NFL has to get with at some point, or maybe they just don't. They don't care. Criteria. Publicly announced criteria. Why some suspensions are what they are. Why there's no discipline in a case like that. Not some statement about in the totality, but what's the criteria? I mean, this is a league that sort of values methodology and criteria, but it just seems like we don't have that here. And I think that's the important part with the NFL discipline. We are led to believe these things happen in an arbitrary and capricious way. And you know what? I'm sure they don't. There's smart people. There's buttoned up people there. But it just seems very arbitrary. How do you get around that? How do you get past that? Well, give us criteria. Give us publicly stated reasons. Not lawyer speak. Not bland, unrevealing comments from PR people. What happened? Why? Why no discipline here? Why so much discipline with others? Is it physical? Is it video? I mean, tell us. It seemed like with Ray Rice, it was all about the video. Maybe Kareem Hunt, too. So this is where we are. Uh, Transparency breeds trust. That's what these leagues have to realize. And I think Adam Silver, the NBA, has done a great job with more transparency. Transparency breeds trust, you know? Adam Silver sitting down at uh, the MIT Sloan Conference with Bill Simmons and and being very open about mental health and mental illness. I'm like, whoa, that's vulnerability. That's humanity. There's someone you can build some trust with. Now, again, Roger Goodell is not that type. He's more corporate, uh, but he has shown some humanity over the years. I've seen it maybe up close, and... This is a chance. You know, this is a chance to really show some vulnerability and transparency with the Tyreek Hill situation. Anyway, hopefully he's asked about it and we have something out of that. Uh, I just thought that was a really interesting thing. And um, that's my rant of the week beyond talking about the NFLPA. is talking about what the heck just happened um, <laughs> with Tyreek Hill and not getting any discipline. And he'll be welcome back, and the same people that ran it about him and Twitter mob was out there a month ago. We'll be cheering for him and talking about his exploits on the field in a matter of weeks. That's where we are. Uh, I'm going to get to a listener question in a minute, but first another word from our sponsor, betonline.ag, Summer Action. You know, we got it all now. MLB, 
the big UFC fights are around the corner, and we are only two weeks away, believe it or not, from preseason football. Yes, preseason football. One place has you covered, and that's the place you trust, betonline.ag. Use Podcast One, your promo code, for that 50% welcome bonus. Again, we've got American League with a lot of baseball action. Yankees, Minnesota, Houston leading their divisions. Over in the NL, it's Dodgers, Cubs, Braves. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on that action. Use that promo code PODCAST1 or text BETNOW to receive 50% welcome bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And now, it's time to hear from you. I haven't done this in a few weeks. But let's hear some voicemail. you got a question for the podcast. I haven't given that number in a while. Leave me a voicemail, Google Voice, at 484-416-5654. Once again, 484-416-5654. This week, got a caller here, and we're going to listen to, it looks like, Wade. Hey, Andrew. My name's Wade from Roseville, Minnesota. There's, a, there's been a lot of chatter about an 18-game season, and you've, you've mentioned that the Players Union doesn't really have much bargaining power leading up to the next round of negotiations. My question is, do you, do you think the players could reach a deal to add an additional bye week in the regular season, extending the overall schedule to 18 weeks of regular season TV revenue while still only playing 16 games per team? Um, the leagues... The league would get more money while still promoting player safety. Uh, it seems like all the players would lose is a week of their offseason without incurring extra injury risk. Uh, wouldn't this be a win-win for the players and the owners? And would, do you think the TV networks would go for it? Actually, a great podcast. Thanks, Wade, and thanks for calling in from Minnesota, Roseville, Minnesota. It's a little, a little good time to be there right now in the heart of summer. Um, yeah, I've talked about this on the pod before, and I wrote about this in Sports Illustrated this week. To me, the only way, only way to a collective bargaining agreement now is through an 18-game schedule. And people are like, what do you mean? The players would never accept it. Listen, every negotiation requires gives and concessions to get something you want. Uh, players want a lot of things out of this deal. They want a better revenue split. They want better minimum spending. They may be the end of the franchise tag, some better issues with commissioner discipline. They want gambling revenues. They want meaningful um, limitations, maybe even shorter rookie contracts, limitations on the franchise tag, limitations on commissioner power. They want a lot of things. They don't want the league to impose stadium credits, take it out of the cap. But that's all delusional because here's the question. What exactly is the union willing to give to get? What do they have to give? Not willing to give. What do they have to give? I can't think of it. I can't. They want, And they also want no marijuana testing. So what are they going to give to get some of this? And don't tell me the threat of a strike. Okay, good luck with that. See how the owners react to that. <laughs> okay, so what are they going to give? I just don't know. So to, you know, I don't know what they have to give. They've given up on the, on the revenue split. Their minimum team spending is not great. Uh, the franchise tag's still there. Commissioner Discipline's still there. They're not getting... Uh, the rookie contracts are onerous. What do they have? So the only thing they have is playing extra games. So I, I just don't see 
Now, I know they have to be predictably pushed back on this. They have to say, no, we'll never do it. And then you can look at the NFL and say, wait, what about, what about safety? And Wade's argument about an extra bye week makes sense, although you have to get the TV networks to buy in. Now we're, we're not adding weeks because we were shortening the preseason, but if you add another bye week, then you're pushing into February. Do the networks even want that? So, And I don't know about this issue of 16 games. Players only play 16 games. That's going to be a logistical nightmare about players sort of being held out or maybe you play your quarterback all the way through and hope you clinch a playoff berth so you can count one of those missed games where he takes off. Anyway, I, don't, I think the issue is what I'm saying is business wins. Business wins. Query this. What if... For that two games extra, the players can get a revenue split better. What if they can go from 47 to 49% worth billions of dollars over the life of a deal, two percentage points? And not only will they get those billions of dollars, but now they'll get 49% instead of 47% of the incremental revenue added from two extra games. There's a deal to be made right there. But it has to be the 18-game season because no one, no one has given me a good answer how the NFLPA makes a collective bargaining agreement despite these supposed um, momentum and negotiations without an 18-game schedule because that's the only thing that the, they have that the league would really want. And they would, they hope, the, you would hope the league really wants that. And the more the league says they do, the better for the union because then they can get something out of it. But Again, what else do they have to give? Okay, you got my point. Point is, for Wade in Roseville and everyone else, the only way to collect a burning agreement anytime soon, and maybe anytime period, is an 18-game schedule. I don't see another give that the NFLPA has to get any meaningful value. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my rants. Thanks for listening to my answer, which turned into a rant about the CBA and the 18-game schedule. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks to producer extraordinaire Brian Neal. And thanks to all of you for listening and following me on Twitter and leaving ratings on Apple Podcasts or wherever you hear your podcast rankings, comments. Truly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening this week, and I'll be back next week as every week for another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.